in the darkness, God expresses himself with light. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about light. As we wrap up 20, uh, 2020 and get ready for 2021, I would like for us, as we take stock of ourselves in the next few days and, and just look at where we are personally in our own walk with the Lord, personally in our, uh, personally in our walk with our uh, church and with our families and all this other stuff that we get. It's a good time to take a self-examination and say, man, I could do a little bit better in 21 than I did in 20. I kind of let some things slide in 20. I need to get back to the fundamentals. And one of the things that's fundamental is going to be reading the word of God. Amen. I think we, we might uh, extend a challenge to all of us to uh, how many have ever read through their entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation all the way through? Anybody have completely read through the Bible from cover to cover? A couple of us. That might be a good challenge as a church for us to read through the Bible. Because it gives you a complete story from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Now, I know many of us say, well, I've read, uh, and most of us are stuck. For the, t for the most part, we're stuck in the New Testament. But the whole counsel of God is the whole book. And it all points about one person. The very person we celebrated this, this other day is the same person the Bible speaks about every single day. That's why I said, yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season, but really the season is all year long, not just on December 25th. So we want to talk a little bit about the Bible. I read this the other day, and I said, yeah, that's pretty good. I think I'll use that in my message. And then we're going to talk about uh, this light for the day. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we ask that you would. Open our eyes and our hearts and our minds that we might behold the wondrous truths from your word. Lord, we don't want to have truth for truth's sake, but we want to have truth that will transform us to conform to your word, your will, and your way. That as a result, we'll be more like Jesus, closer to Jesus, so that people, when they see us, will really see Christ in us and say, you know what? I want what you have. How are you making it? Because I know part of your story. And we could honestly say, I am making it because of my faith in the only person I know to call on. And that person is Jesus. So we thank you for this opportunity to share your word, to hear your word, and then to apply your word. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The daily challenges of the past year have had a cumulative effect on many of us, leaving many people both weary and wary. We are weary from the upsetting news that filled our screens every night for most of the years, for most of the year. But we are wary because we don't know what is ahead of us. But the good news is this. God is still in control. 
as we turn to the scriptures and study God's faithfulness to his people in the past, we can see that he never leaves his people without hope. Our hope isn't in the government, the healthcare system, or even in our jobs. Our hope is in our living and loving Savior who sees us and has compassion on us and those from all around the world who have been ill, displaced, or disturbed by the events swirling around us. What we need is strength for today. And that comes as we draw closer to the Lord through our daily study of his word, as we attend church with other believers, and we communicate to God through prayer. We are not without hope. We have hope because we know the one who holds the future. So look up, not down. Look forward, not back. Trust God, not circumstances. Access God's strength and discover hope for the future with his word. Amen. I like that. Look up, not down. Look forward, not backward. And do not trust in your, trust God and not your circumstances. The Bible, the word of God, is described as a lamp. Amen. In Psalm 119, verses 105, reads as follows. It should be familiar to all of us. You've probably all heard of this. Your word, talking about God's word, is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted, Lord. Give me life according to your word. Lord, please accept my free will offerings of praise and teach me your judgment. My life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your instruction. The wicked have set a trap for me, but I have not wandered from your precepts. I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. I am, here it is, I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. It's a pretty good word. So when you go through all this stuff that life makes up, just go to Psalm 105. In danger, he trusted in God. In the fact that he was being constantly bombarded by various different things, it always came back to his belief and faith in God. He said, I, I do not forget your instruction. Most of us are old enough in here. We've been under the power and sound of the word for a long time. The question is, are we any better off than when we first started this journey? Are we, are we, have we grown? Or are we still back when we were still infants? I like what he says in 111, I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Did you catch that? His decrees are, is his inheritance Forever. And indeed, here it is. They are joy. Joy of my heart. They are the joy of my heart. When we get to the Bible and the word of God, we ought to be glad. We ought to be excited to hear what God says to us. They are joy to his heart. 
And then he just says this, I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. I am resolved. I'm, I'm making a purpose in my life to obey you, to follow you, to trust you, to believe you, have faith in you forever. That's a long time. I think if Granny is 104 and she's pretty much kept to this part of the scripture, at for 104 years, when she came to know Christ up until now, her whole life has been about Jesus. That's her testimony. She's been through a whole lot. I mean, she could, her, she could go all the way back when, when there was discrimination and stuff. She was one, before it was even known nationally, she was instrumental in helping with the desegregation of schools in the city of Hillsboro. Her, 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 before Brown and then became an actual, she was pre-Brown. That set the precedence for what was to follow down the road. She was a fighter. She, she, she fought the battles for what was right. And the fact that her children, Sister Virginia and her sisters and them, for a year, two years, I'm sorry, two years, thank you, two years, walked to school. Rain, snow, sleet, and hail. They were like the post office. Neither rain, nor snow, nor sleet, nor hail will stop us from walking to the door of a school to be simply told, you cannot come in. Turn around and go back home. Now, can you imagine for two years? And kids, you know how kids are. Mom, why? They're going to they're gonna tell us the same thing we've heard for two year, for a year now. Sorry, there's no room in the inn. Go back to where you come from. Sorry, two years. He says here, I resolve to obey your statutes to the very end. I'm going to do what you say I need to do, Lord. Not about me. It's all about you. So, with all that, I want to give to us, let me make sure I say it right, seven. A sign of completeness. Number seven in the Bible is very important. Number seven talks about completeness. Seven days, God created the heaven and earth. Seven. Seven golden candlestick, candlesticks in the book of Revelation. I mean, seven is a, throughout the Bible is an important number. Today, I just want to give you a description of seven different lamps. God's word is described as a lamp. Now, here are seven examples of a lamp and how they correlate with us as far as Scripture is concerned. Lamp number one, reading lamp. Reading lamp. A reading lamp is for reading the mind and thoughts of God and also for reading our own hearts. A reading lamp is for reading the mind and thoughts of God. When we're reading the Bible, that's what we're doing. We're, we get an insight into the mind and thoughts of God. But it's also reading that Bible, the same Bible that we read is also the same Bible that reads our own hearts. Amen? A heating lamp. <laughs> a heating lamp, an incandescent glow that burns like a fire in our bones. An incandescent glow from the heating lamp that burns like a fire 
in our bones. Jot this down, Jeremiah 20, verse 9. I say I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name, but his message becomes a fire burning in my heart. Shut up in my bones. I become tired of holding it in. I cannot prevail. Jeremiah says, like, the word of God is like a fire. Shut up in my bones. If I wanted to be quiet, I still couldn't do it. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I what? couldn't keep it to myself. <laughs> the heating lamp creates a fire on the inside. That When I get into the Bible, when I find out as a reading lamp, it's giving me the thoughts and mind of God. And then I get to the heating lamp, and it, it sets my soul on fire. It's like, a, it's like a fire that's shut up in my bones. I cannot but help. I can't hold it in. I like what he says. He says, but his message becomes a fire burning in my heart. Shut up in my bones. I, be, I, I got tired of trying to hold it in. I cannot prevail. I want to be quiet, but I couldn't do it. Have you ever been there? Number three is a traveler's lamp. A traveler's lamp. A lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Useful in every country and climate, no matter where we might be. The psalm right here, Psalm 119.105, gives us the clue. Your word is, is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Anybody here have a, a, a night light at their house? We do. We have a couple of them, one in the family room, one in the dining room, and one in the bathroom, so if you have to move about, there's a light that's enough light that shines. It's not a big, burning, bright, you know, spotlight. Just enough light so you don't stub your toe. That's what the Word of God is. It is a light to my path. It shows me as I'm walking through life's journey where to turn left, where to turn right, keep straight. It lights my path. It tells me how to go. It tells me where to go. That's all in the word of God. Oh, man, I don't think we really appreciate God and his word. We do things out of rote, out of habit. Okay, it's Sunday morning. I got to come to church. That's not how we ought to approach it. It ought to be, man, I get another opportunity to come to the house of God because God's been good for me from last Sunday to this Sunday. Kept me from all kind of things, seen, danger, seen, and unseen. Bless me, we just celebrated Christmas. There were gifts under the tree. There was food on our table. I mean, when you think about that, that's enough to say, I gotta, I've got to I was glad when they said it to me. What? Let us go. Action. Get up and go some to the house. Not, not get up and go to the mall. Not get up and go fishing. Not get up and go all. But get up and go to the house of God. And celebrate with other brothers and sisters who have struggles and pains and heartaches. And stuff like I do. And we can come in on a Sunday morning and say, in spite of it all, God's been good. God's been great. Chicken is good, but God is good. He's awesome. He's the only one. The debate in sports world, who's the greatest ever? Was it Michael Jordan or, or, Michael Jordan or is it now King James? Depending on which side of the track you come up. I came up in the Michael Air, Jor Air Jordan era. 
So I kind of lean on Michael Jordan. I'm not taking anything from LeBron, but the times and I, I, here's my argument. Every single time in which people play, the era in which they played was different from now. So it's really hard to say who's the greatest of anything. But the only thing I do know is this. The greatest ever is Jesus. That I can say definitively. There ain't nobody else compares to Jesus. There is no second person standing on the sidelines that can ever compare to Jesus. He's the awesome one. He's the great one. He's the GOAT, the greatest of all times. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you, Lord. The, travel, the traveler's lamp. Number four, a miner's lamp. A miner's lamp is suitable for the deepest pit of sin and the darkest places of work and service. Proof against the black, damp, wholeness of an evil heart. You know this one? A heart is what? Desperately wicked? Who can know it? The miner's lamp. The word of God is a light can shine on the deepest, deepest, darkest parts of our life. You know what I've told us. Aren't you glad that the Bible, the word of God, that your life isn't on the screen of life? Huh? Ah, this is me. Uh, Y'all might be walking right and doing right. You've never done anything wrong in your life. You've walked with the Lord your whole entire life. You've never done anything that you didn't want anybody else to know that you've ever done. I ain't like that. There's some things I'm so happy that only me and Jesus know. Because I don't want my life on that from Tyler pushing a button and my whole life flashed on the screen and everybody sees my dirt. But the word of God is, is, a, is a miner's lamp goes into those places and say, oh, let me, let me, let me, let me remind you how bad you are. See, I think every now and then we think, oh, I wasn't on drugs, I wasn't a prostitute, I didn't do this, I didn't, I ain't as bad as everybody else. God's word doesn't say that. God says we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ain't nobody hitting on all cylinders. Every now and then I think, I'll, I'll talk about me, every now and then I do have a bad thought. Every now and then, some words may come to my mind that do always praise God. That's just me. Pray for me. Thank you. Pray for me. Okay? Now, y'all may not have that problem. You think sweet thoughts all the time. You never say anything. Never, no thoughts ever come across your mind. You never feel like just cutting somebody off. You never feel like just flipping whatever to somebody sometimes. Never. God bless you. I'm glad you have arrived. I ain't there yet, but I'm so glad that in those moments of life, it's not recorded for you to see. Man, our pastor, <laughs> he's messed up. But you know what? So are you. Amen. Ain't nobody going to say amen? I'll say amen for me because I know we all have fallen short. And falling short is not, oh, I forgot to read my Bible today. Well, yeah, okay. But, yeah, there's times in your life. Before you pre, pre-salvation, maybe you were doing some things that you needed not to do. Amen? So that's the miner's lamp. Number five is a safety lamp. 
a safety net can be used in dangerous places. It is not only a safety, but a saving lamp. Amen? Number six, a lighthouse lamp. A lighthouse lamp. It stands aloft, and its beams shine out over the darkest waters, over the dark waters of a needy world. To neglect its warnings is to suffer shipwreck. It is a divine searchlight flashing out in the darkness of this sin-shadowed earth. It stands apart, stands on the shores, separated, and the light shines out across the dark waters. Have you ever been on water when it's been, seen water when it's been pitch black? Have you ever been on a cruise or whatever? And I get amazed sometimes I watch a movie and I see these cruise ships, huge, humongous ships. I mean, they're huge. But when, you, when you're in the middle of the ocean, I don't care how big that ship is, it seems small. I've been out where, I've been places where I can look out and all I can see is water. No land, nowhere. Oh, it's there, but you can't see it. That's a scary feeling. Now, I have friends who have little, the little boats you see when people go fishing in. You know, little, whatever they call them. Fishing boats. Well, that's small. I don't like those boats. Uh, we had a, a friend of mine called Uncle Wayne. He had a little bigger boat. It was bigger, but it was still small. I need something that if I'm on there and it's getting ready to sink, I got some time to try to rescue myself. I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but at least I got some time. I could pray more and ask God to send, send a friendly dolphin by me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I need time. Those little fishing boats go down fast. We got what? We got a leak. Well, we ain't got but two minutes. <laughs> Gee whiz. But what does he say here? This, this, this lighthouse over the dark waters, the, the light shines. And many times boats have been spared because where the light shows is there's rocks and danger nearby. You keep going where you're going, you're going to hit the rocks. And notice what it says here. To neglect. The warnings of the lighthouse is to suffer shipwreck, to neglect the warnings from the word of God. Is You want to know why some of, of our lives and some of our friends' lives and some people's lives are messed up? They did not and have not yet obeyed the light of the word. And as long as the light is telling us and telling them that there is danger and we ignore it, Therefore, we suffer the consequences. We just talked about it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to, huh? To ignore what the Bible says. The Bible tells us many times not to do. God could have made us as robots. He could have said, okay, I'm going to program you to do right all the time. But he didn't. He gave us what we know to be free will. So, 
with free will comes tremendous responsibility. Because when you and I read the Bible, it says, thou shalt not, don't do this, don't do that. He's given us the ability to say yay or nay. I will obey or at this point in my life, in this area of my life, I'm telling God no. I don't like what that says or I don't trust what that says. I'm going to do it my way. I would think part of wisdom is if you live long enough, you know for yourself, because many of us, how many of us have done things our way and found out, ooh, that wasn't really a good decision. <laughs> I've, I've done it my way, but, oh, if I had to do it all over again, I might do some things differently. What does that mean? It, for that area, it, it's not that we're sinners and we're going away to hell. It's just that in that area of our life, we decided to do it our way. Now, here's the lesson. If you did it your way and it didn't work out, hopefully you learned not to do that anymore. But because of who we are and the frailty of our flesh, guess what? Many times we may have learned a lesson here, but we ignore the lesson over there. We repeat. Somebody says, why do we always got to say it? Why do we all got to say the same thing over and over? Because we keep doing the same things over and over. Read the Bible. The Bible was not written for the lost, the Bible is written for the saved to help us know that, oh, yeah, you're saved. You know Christ. You believe in Jesus. You say you believe in the word, but you keep doing The nation of Israel is a classic example. Delivered and everything, and they kept going back. They have been going back to their old ways. And guess what? So do you and I. We keep going back to our old ways. Last one, number seven. Number seven is, it's a night lamp. A night lamp. Talked about that a few moments ago. It's gentle enough to shine with its mellow flame in the sick chamber, bringing heaven light into the weary heart and brightening the pale face with eternal hope that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Been sick. You don't know sometimes your eyes might hurt or you don't want big bright lights, but you have a little night night lamp. Just enough to bring comfort. Just enough to to help light a weary heart. And that little bit of light gives us the eternal hope that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's what the world needs right now. It needs some light. People are, are, I I, I believe when, when people lose a sense of hope, that's what drives some people to want to take their own life. They figure there's no way out. They figure they, 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 need some, they, they don't see any help at all. The only thing they see is if I take my life. Well, that doesn't really solve the problem, especially if you don't know Jesus. You may have created more problems. But when you have a sense of hope, that's what should be driving us as a people to know that we have an eternal hope in Christ. It's not always going to be like this. 
I said it months ago. I've said it to different people in different contexts. This too shall pass. What's that mean? There will there may be a day that we won't have to do all this stuff that we're doing right now. And even if we have to continue to do it, God is still good. The thing that really just blows my mind, and I compare this to how God is with us. We as Americans, we as people of the United States, we are some hard-necked, strong-willed, will not submit, will not do what is right for the sake of anybody but ourselves. I just go, that amazes me. But I don't know why it really amazes me, because that's how we are with God. I mean, and we're, arguing, and we're debating on truth now. Well, why do you believe that what they say is true? I just take it because they are supposed to be experts in what they know. Does it make it gospel? No. But pretty much what they have said has come true. I mean, people talk about Dr. Fauci has too much power. He speaks and everybody gets, I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're all sidewalk superintendents now. We all got medical degrees now. We all know about infectious diseases now. Haven't been a lick in school, but we know. We know. I ain't listening to him. We, the Bible says we rather believe a lie than the truth. Back in 4th of July, they told us, please try not to gather. Try not to do this. Parties, barbecue parties, folks packing out, go, motorcycle groups going all the way out to Colorado by the not hundreds, tens of thousands of people told us, wait a minute, Thanksgiving, please, please keep it small. I know you don't want your 25, 30, 40, 50 people at your house, but wisdom is this thing is serious. Please don't do it because if you do, the repercussions are going to be great. And guess what? The repercussions were great. We lost more people yesterday than we have ever. Christmas. Christmas, New Year's. Please, please, don't. I know. It's just for this year. Just, just bite the bullet. Don't be traveling. Don't. Most people ever since March, since the pandemic, since COVID-19, more people traveled from Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and are returning back this week than we've had ever in a year. Do you know what that means? In another couple weeks? Because I just know how we are. We're not going to isolate. We're not going to quarantine. Many people don't want to wear a mask. But guess what? You see those commercials? You've seen them. The healthcare people, please help us out. It's a tough thing. We're losing, we're watching people die every single day. Not one person. You know, hospitals may one or two. We're watching tens, 20, uh, hundreds of people die in a day. We're here trying to fight. We're running out of room. We don't have places. We're putting people in tents outside. Well, I mean, that didn't mean nothing to me. 
we, we had people who didn't believe, thought it was a hoax. They said, and they tell us as they're dying. Their family can't be in there with them. All we've got is a cell phone. FaceTime. You want to call your mom? Yeah. Okay. Or your brother? Your brother's dying? Here. Let me, let me use my phone. What's the number? All right. Here he is. Young folks, old folks, we didn't believe it. It's a hoax. It's a plot. It's a democratic plot. It's a, it's a liberal plot. It's a whatever. One young man, that's what he said. I didn't think it was real. I had a party. I invited all my friends over. We didn't wear masks. We didn't social distance. We all drank, did whatever we did because I didn't believe it was real. And as he's dying, and the nurse is with him, here's what he said before he died. I guess it's real. That's a bad time to find out something's real. People are dying and on their way to hell. Just like the virus. They don't believe that hell is real. They don't believe that Jesus is real. They don't believe God is real. They don't have no faith in God. They don't believe in God. They think you're, you and I are crazy to talk about God, to serve God, to glorify. They think it's really, what are you doing? What person in their right mind would come to a place to, to listen to, to sing songs about a God Then when we got all this mess, all this hell going on around us? Why would you do that? Why would you trust in God? Why would you even talk? There ain't no God. There is no God. I am my own God. I determine my life. I do what I do. Ain't nobody up there, ain't no big man up there directing my life. Yeah. And I know more people believe that than they believe that this is the, the lamp unto their feet. More people believe the, the lie that Satan says, hey, you know what? Just live your life. Be your own God. Do your own thing. In the end, eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy life. You're young. Oh, you're old. No, wait a minute. Now, you've been living this way. It ain't done nothing for you. Go ahead. Let it go. Follow me. I'll, I'll give you a good time. What's the song, Brother Morton? Street life. Ain't no what? Good life. Ain't nothing good come off the street. Tears people down. Drugs, sex, alcohol, claim for fame and fortune, all the things that we aspire, bigger houses, bigger cars, more money, more this, more that. I will be happy if I hit the lottery. No, you won't. Because then you got the problem what to do with it. You realize more people hit the lottery and end up broke? They take all that money up front, and what do they do? They blow it. How do you blow $250 million. Sister Sigrid's going, ah. She's like, mm-mm. You know me, Pastor. I am the ultimate saver. Oh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with maybe buying a better house or get another car. Or doing, But if I had $250 million would last me and my family for the rest of our lifetimes. I would take care of all my family and folks and stuff. And then after that, I'd set up a foundation to help other people. I'll be, you know, I'll tell my accountant, now, can I live off, can I not live off what I got in the bank, X amount, and the rest of this money, if we could set foundations and help 
help the homeless or help somebody along life's journey? Yes, sir. You got it. We're managing for. We're, we're able to manage that out. Work that out. Great. I can't imagine that much money and people get broke. It all comes back to that if you and I take the Jesus each and every day, the light for the day. Wake up tomorrow morning, get to our Bible and say, "Hey." Lord, what is it that you want me to know today? Share the light for this day, each and every day of my life. And if you and I do that, we won't be shipwrecked. We won't find ourselves crashing against the rocks. When things don't go the way we always want, guess what? He's going to tell us what he's always told us. It's going to be all right. When you go to the doctor or your loved one goes to the doctor and there's bad news, you get help in the time of a storm. You get the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. People will look at you and go, well, wait a minute. Brother Morton, your wife passed away. And that Sunday, you was in church. <laughs> that spoke to me because it's easy to say, well, you know, my, my wife died. I, I can't be at church today. She died Monday. Today's Sunday. We buried her Tuesday. Uh, no, uh, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't preach today because I, I'm just so shook up. I, I, I can't do it. I can't go to work for four weeks because I get or three days or five days, whatever they give you, because I'm just, I'm just, I'm just shattered. I can't function. That's a problem. Why? Because you, you and I do not ever give anybody that much of our life. We mourn, we grieve, but as he was a witness, he found himself coming to the only place he knew to come to find help. I ran to the house of God because that's the only place I know that I can have H-O-P-E, hope. I know she's in a better place. No more suffering, no more pain, no more heartache. I'm, in, I'm the one in pain because I'm grieving over the fact that I lost the person that was my right hand. But all oh, thanks be to God. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what I could ever imagine or think. In my darkest moments, God has always been there. In my weakest time, God has always been there. I cannot but help say, glory, glory be to God for the great things he has done for me. And it all comes out because he's the light every day. He is the light of my life. Amen. Oh, I love my wife. I love my kids, but they're not my light. They're not even my light. I can't make them that. Because if I do that, then I forget he who is the light and he who is the light. Now, if I keep my priorities right, he helps me to keep those things straight. If I make Jesus the light and life of my life, oh, I'll love my wife better. I'll love my kids better. I'll love my neighbors. I'll love you better. But whenever I get the order misplaced, 
That's when things get out of order. Jesus is my light. Jesus is my life. That's how I've made it in 2020. I will be 63 come January 10th. And I thought the other day to myself, ooh, 63. I had to think about that for a second. Wait a minute, 1958, ooh. I can remember 20 was a big one. 25 was a big one. I thought, man, that's the 30 was good. Oh, yeah. It was when I got to 50 that I started thinking, uh-oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm a step on the other side of the journey. 13 years later, I'm thinking, Brother Art, mm, it's closer. The Bible says if I get three score and ten, I ought to be praising God. I don't know if I'm going to get there, but whatever I got, I want to make him the light and life of my life. Praise be to God that he is the light and life. I hope he's the light and life of your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word.